reading from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that though so that through the church of wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. The word of the Lord. Back in 1996, I believe, I was single. You ever been single that all of a sudden you're, you're in a world full of couples and all you see is couples and you're just going, am I the only person that's by themselves right now? Am I the one that had L on my head? And so I asked my dad, I said, Dad, Father's Day is coming up. What do you want to do for Father's Day? You know, those obligations you have. Like, you really don't want to do anything with your dad, but it's Father's Day, you have to. And so my dad goes, I want to go sailing. And I said, great, we had a, 90, a 28, 90 foot. We had a 90 foot boat, because we believe in prosperity theology. We had a 28 foot McGregor, my dad and I, up in Marina Del Rey. And, um, and so he goes, no, I want to go sailing with my friend. I worked it out, and I go, well, who's going with us? And he goes, it's just my friend and his daughter. And I go, okay, that's fine. So I met him in Marina Del Rey, and I remember standing out looking at about eight slips down, and it was the father and the daughter getting ready. And I go, oh, this is about 13 years old. And so I was walking down, and every time I got closer to her, she aged about five years. And I was going, ooh, she's getting older, she's getting older. And then when I met her, her name was Heidi, I go, Heidi's a babe. <laughs> Heidi's in her late 20s and I'm single. And I'm going to spend the entire day sailing with this girl. And so I go, hi, Heidi, how you doing? And she goes, great, my name's, you know, back and forth. So when we got on the boat, that girl knew how to sail. She knew how to put out the main. She knew how to put the jib. She knew how to prepare the boat. I did the same thing. And we worked together without knowing each other like a team. Boom, 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 getting everything going. We even put the, uh, the jib up. And so when we got out there, we go, should we put the spinnaker up? That's a hard one to sail. 
we knew how to do the spinnaker. So we sat down and started talking. And she was the sweetest girl on the planet. She was a single mother, and she lived in Santa Barbara. But we were talking. We were talking about hours while we were sailing. And I realized, oh my goodness, I don't need her. I had this aha moment that I thought I had to make this work. And so therefore, when somebody was attracted to me, I had to make it work. I had to deal with it. And so therefore, my whole thing in my head when I first met her, she's my wife, we're going to take her, she's going, we're going to take this boat sailing in two years together. This is where we'll spend our honeymoon, you know. <laughs> Am I the only one that goes way ahead? And so I remember that in my heart, I said, man, I need to be healed first. I need to be healed first. And I, in, instead of running away from loneliness, I need to be running towards love. I realized a moment that I was going to do anything, compromise who I am as a person, the integrity of who I was, to run away from my loneliness instead of running towards what God wanted me to do. Now, I remember getting out of the boat, and she, she's walking with me and laughing, and she says this, hey, that was a great time. When am I going to see you next? And I said, whenever your dad and I go, our dads go sailing, we'll see you next time we go sailing. Was that bad? <laughs> because if we started dating, I would have messed her up. I had too many issues right then. So at that moment, I was stinking proud of myself. At that moment, I wasn't drawn to my emotions of not wanting to be alone. At that moment, I valued myself. And that, because of that, I valued her. And so therefore, I didn't realize two years later, I would be proposing to Jennifer on a sailboat out there as well. And so it's interesting because all of us have what's called these aha moments in our life. And when we have these aha moments in our life, not only does it change us, but it changes the complete direction of our entire life. When we have these. And these, sometimes these aha moments are not good. We just realize, okay, I see what kind of family I have. But it changes us. We don't try to change it. We accept it. And then we move forward. Today, January 5th, and thank you for being at church every Sunday this year. I like saying that. <laughs> you guys are good. And so uh, it's called Epiphany Sunday if you look at the church calendar. Now, Epiphany Sunday is the 12th day of Christmas, the last day of Christmas. So we weren't lazy not taking all these direct decorations down. This is the last day of the Christian calendar of the Christmas season. And the reason why we celebrate Epiphany Sunday is because this is when the wise men came to Jesus. And so the wise men were not Jews, they were foreigners. And so a lot of people call this the Day of the Wise Men, which basically a lot of Latin American countries celebrate this day more than they do Christmas Day. Because this is a day that salvation was not just for the Jews, but it was for everybody. And so it was a celebration that revealed to the Gentiles who Jesus was. 
And so therefore we call it Epiphany Sunday. And a lot of people describe Epiphany as a manifestation or an appearance, and I don't know if that gives it just, but this is my translation of Epiphany, and I'll put it on the screen, is having a aha moment. That's what Epiphany is. Epiphany is all of a sudden you just go, boom. This is not the way I should be doing something. And I never second-guess epiphanies. I never second-guess aha moments. Now, aha moments and epiphanies don't necessarily are led by emotions, but they're led by here. They're led by the Holy Spirit, that all of a sudden you go, man, I need to be embracing this. So we look at the book of Ephesians today, and the Apostle Paul I love dearly. Because one day, if I, you know, when I get to heaven, I almost said if, when I get to heaven, I want to meet this clown. Because this guy knew what an epiphany was. He had this incredible aha moment. And we know this because he was knocked off a horse when he had it. And he had this incredible light that shone in his dark life. And therefore, it changed his life completely. In fact, we know that this was true. So when we look at the New Testament passage, let, let me give you some idea. Paul was formerly known as Saul. Saul was a Pharisee, which is a religious person, very religious. He knew how to obey the law, God's law. And that's the only way back then for salvation was to obey the Jewish law. So, and this guy did not like followers of Jesus. He didn't like them. Because he thought, that's not the way to salvation. I am right. Have you ever been this way? Where I am right and everyone else is wrong? Am I the only one that thought, I'm right? You're wrong? You thought, I'm wrong. You're right. We all do that. And so this is where the epiphany changed his way of thinking of being right. In the meantime, look at verse 1. Saul kept up his violent threats of murder against the followers of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked for letters of introduction to the synagogues in Damascus so that he, would, that he should find there any followers of the way of the Lord. He would be able to arrest them, both men and women, and bring them back to Jerusalem. As Saul was coming near the city of Damascus, suddenly a light from the sky flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Yes, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Now this is fascinating. The apostle Paul thought he was doing God's will. He knew he was doing God's will. But it was against what Jesus was teaching. It's interesting how we as Christians, we get so locked into being right. We get so locked into saying, I'm doing God's will, so don't argue with me. That's like the ace card when you're playing your hand. I'm doing God's will. God told me this. And so therefore, Paul did that too. Paul said, this is God's will. I'm doing this. Even if I'm at chasing down and persecuting Christians, he was doing God's will. But one day, Paul had this epiphany. A light, <laughs> having knocked this clown right off his horse, he was blind for a while, and he heard the voice of Jesus. And when he heard the voice of Jesus, and this is why I'm saying Jesus is the answer today, when he heard the voice of Jesus, knocked him off his horse, had this incredible epiphany, he did a 180. A complete 180 in his thinking, and, 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 and a lot of the stuff that he was heading to, 
towards, he did an opposite change. He went from being a persecutor of Christians to be, to be the biggest promoter of Christ. Fascinating to me. It's fascinating that somebody could do a complete 180 like this and stay with it. It's like when you make New Year's resolutions and say, you know, I, I did this one year. I want, this is totally, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I, I, want, I want to do this where my chest does that. You know how guys do that? I, can't, I, I don't even think I have a muscle there that does anything. But somehow it's just cool when they go, yeah, and they go, doo, 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 doo. and I go, dang, that's what I want to do. I ain't committed. I haven't done a 180 because I had a bodybuilder tell me eight years ago, nine years ago, I go, how long would it take me to get a body like you? I have no problem checking out other guys. But I go, how do I get a body like you? And he looks at me, honest, he says, seven years. I'm thinking three or four months. <laughs> you know? But he tells me seven years, and I go, forget it. That was eight years ago. I could be doing it now. There was no 180. There was a 360 where I would go, oh, great, this is what I want to do. And I would go back to my old ways, right? And so this is where he did this in complete 180 and stuck to it. Because God revealed to him it was a much bigger plan than Paul was. And he had to make known that salvation wasn't just for the Jews, but was for the Gentiles away through faith in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul discovered. And he, and he was like mind blown, like it's available to everyone. And so he says this, surely you have heard that God in his grace have given me this work to do for your good. God revealed his secret plan and made it known to me. I have written briefly about this, and if you will read what I have written, you can learn about my understanding of the secret of Christ. In past times, human beings were not told this secret, but God has revealed it now by the secret to his holy apostles and prophets. The secret is that by means of the gospel, the Gentiles have a part of the Jew, part with the Jews in God's blessing. They are members of the same body and share in the promise that God made through Christ Jesus. This is what you do this. Those emojis that just blow in your head. That's what Paul's doing here. We don't think it's a big deal here, but for him to be saying this now, it was mind-blowing. Because basically Paul was saying grace, which he never lived with, never experienced in himself because he was obeying the law, is sharing God's grace because he's experiencing God's grace. And when you experience God's grace, you realize the power and anointing of God in your life that, man, I need a savior. I need stability in this crazy world that we live in. And I need a foundation that is based on the grace of God, not on the rules of the law. And so this is what Paul was exciting. Paul literally saw the light. He saw the light, and it changed his life. And the thing is, you have to understand, he was alone when he saw this light. It was great when all of a sudden you have an epiphany, and everyone in the church had the epiphany too. Oh, it would be easy to march down and say, let's do this. But all of a sudden, the epiphany is for you. And you're going, come on, guys, what do you think? 
you're on your own for this one. And you go, well, maybe I didn't hear God. And we kind of put the epiphany away. See, this is where Paul was nuts. Because Paul's epiphany changed him. And man, his life after that was rough. It was hardcore. Paul could not shut up about Jesus Christ, and that got him in trouble. Can you imagine sharing about Jesus Christ and people throwing rocks at you? That's what happened. I guess one rock just nailed him in the head and knocked him completely out, dragged out to the city, and left for dead. The guy regains consciousness. I'm telling you, from Paul, I'm going, shoot. He gets up, he goes back in the city, and starts talking about Jesus again. Because there was no turning back after that epiphany. There's no could have, I would have, I'm going back to my old life. He had a brand new life, and he wasn't going to go back to his old life. And he had great respect in his old life. So I wonder why so many of us Christians don't have the same enthusiasm as Paul. Why don't I have the same enthusiasm as Paul? Man, when I get someone looking at me strange, I go, oh, never mind. <laughs> I, I, I like to be liked. That's important. You know that, right? Raise your hand if you don't like me. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> you did. You did. That's a guts. <laughs> but you see what I mean? We all like to be liked. And if, we, if our goal is to be liked, then we never get the epiphanies from God. But if our goal is to love Christ as he has loved us and make a difference in this world, Oh, man, because sometimes speaking the truth in people's lives is hard, and they don't accept it. And this is what Paul realized, too, even about him teaching about this amazing grace. Can you imagine that you and I have the same passion for the gospel? Can you imagine that all of a sudden when we see injustice in, in our community, injustice in the world, that all of a sudden instead of complaining about it, we say, we're going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it. So instead of throwing my prayer somewhere, that I, I become an answer to somebody's prayer. That I am a vessel that Christ can use and people can say it and say, I can see Christ moving in that person. And man, talk about li living a legacy about being Christ. I remember when we were first going to southern Sudan, and I never went to Sudan. I never went to Africa and all this stuff. And look, do I look like a camper? No, I don't look like a camper. I'm a person that stays in hotels. So for me to go to Sudan in a tent for 10 days is crazy. And these two twins, I remember them, they were talking about, they grew up in Sudan, these white kids. And they were talking, they were saying, you know what, if you go to Sudan, it's a win-win situation. And I'm going, oh, we're sitting in the back of the church. And they go, can you imagine getting killed in Sudan for Christ? Oh, that's a way to go out. And I'm going, are you serious? <laughs> no, I like my life now. Maybe when I was single before I met Heidi, that basically, yeah, let's die for Christ. But now I got hope that I'm going to, I'm married now, <laughs> Okay. But you see, they were seriously, their passion, these young kids were passionate about this. And so it gets us to the second point, is we need to begin to share the light. It was great good news. Let's pick up in Ephesians here. I was made a servant 
of the gospel by God's special gift, which he gave me through the working of his power. I'm less than the least of all God's people, yet God gave me this privilege of talking to the Gentiles the good news about the infinite riches of Christ. Paul saw a privilege to be called by God. Paul said, God's called me, I'll do it, I'll do it, and a privilege to share. In fact, Paul was writing the book of Ephesians. You know where? He wasn't in Cancun. He was in prison because he couldn't keep his mouth shut. But yet, he's still writing about Jesus because when he had an epiphany, when he had an aha moment, he never went back. He never went back. Paul can't stop writing about the good news of Jesus Christ because Paul had a passion to share the light that was found. This is what I've noticed about Christians. Most Christians, can I say this? I guess I will. Don't have passion for anything. They just watch the news, watch this, do this, and just kind of drag their butts to work and drag their bats home. And sometimes a lot of us Christians need to have an epiphany to regain that passion for life, that passion for others, that passion for helping people. It's so interesting that I can walk by somebody that's in tremendous need and does not affect me at all. Because I have had the loss of empathy. But when I have a passion or an aha moment or an epiphany, then I start seeing people like Christ sees people. It's incredible. And so maybe we forget what Christ has done in our lives. So my prayer is for you this year that you will have an epiphany from God. That you will have this incredible aha moment and that you will give time to have those incredible times. One thing that Jennifer and I were talking about, we need to get out in the wilderness, not the wilderness, we need to get out, get away from the city at times and just enjoy nature. So we said, okay. So right after church, we're heading to Yosemite for a day. And we're, tomorrow, we're going to freeze our butts off hiking in Yosemite Valley. Yosemite is God's country. If you've never been to Yosemite, and then Tuesday morning, we'll come back home. But for us, God speaks to us when we're out in nature. It really does. It's really fascinating. The last couple of days, we walked on the beach. It's a mile and a half. A mile and a half. Years we haven't walked on the beach. But man, some way, you just, there's a freedom there walking on the beach. Not on the bike trail because you're going to get hit, but on the beach, you don't get hit. And so we have to realize that Jesus died for us. He cleansed us from all unrighteousness. That Christ rose from the dead. He gave us his incredible new life. And I need to begin trusting him. And so this year, at the Rose Parade, I recommitted myself to Christ. As a pastor, I've been very religious. I know how to do it. I know how to act it. But there's times in our lives that we need to reconnect with Jesus again. That we need to say, Lord, I need your anointing power. I need your strength right now. I need to get rid of this anger, this resentment towards what's going on in our country, this frustration with everybody. And I need a fresh, a fresh cleansing of your righteousness so my self-righteousness would dispel. You know, when we do that, we start hearing God. 
It's very fascinating to me that we start listening to God at this time. And so my prayer for you, if you need to receive Jesus in your life, this is the time to do it, man, is to accept him in their lives. And sometimes you're stuck in this religion thing that all of a sudden you come to church, great, 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 but you never totally surrendered to Christ. I would like us if we can, you know, to pastor, bow our heads and close our eyes. And, and I, w- I want to do this prayer, and I want you to pray this if you want, to really ask Christ in your heart or recommit yourself to Christ, that you can have this epiphany that God is anointing you at this time. So I will pray, and you can say it to yourself quietly. Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to show me the light. I thank you that he gave his life for me on this cross. I accept forgiveness that is available to me by the sacrifice. Forgive me for the ways that I've lived selfishly and harmed myself and others. I reject the destructive way of life. I believe that Jesus rose again to give me a new start and a new life. If you said those prayers, I want to encourage you that to pray this week that you will see this incredible aha moment in your life, this epiphany that all of a sudden will hit. Let me give you the closing example. About four days ago, I started getting bitter again. Have you ever done that? I don't know if you, what you do, and let me tell you, because I, I do classes on how to keep your bitterness, and then, <laughs> you just need to replay things in your head and replay. It doesn't matter how long ago it was. So I played something that happened 30 years ago. A pastor, a free Methodist pastor, told another pastor, that why would you hire Kevin? He's retarded. And so I played that. I've been playing that all the time. You know, it's interesting how we start playing things that are, fulfill our insecurities, that limit us, limits our ability to do what God has called us because we label ourselves in a certain way rather than a child of God. And so I was thinking... I wonder what that guy's doing now, you know? You know, the internet, you can search everything. And so I typed in doctor, and I put his name in. It returned nothing. Doctor, put his name in, Free Methodist Pacific Christian High School, because I was a chaplain at Pacific Christian. Boom. His obituary went up. And I go, shoot. He died 2014, December 16th, of cancer. His funeral was in January or something. So God spoke to me. He said, are you really going to hold this? The guy's gone. And it's interesting how you can hold resentment to someone that's been dead 
for five years. Epiphany happens when you're obedient to the Lord. And the thing is, I was reading his accomplishments. He was a man of God. But he said something to somebody that said to me that I held for 30 years. The Lord put on my heart this. Somebody resents you. And you don't even know what you did. You want them to let it go? You need to let it go. Those are epiphanies that we have. Letting go of this is for my own good, right? Letting go of this is seeing this man as a broken man that had a horrible death of cancer. And so my prayer for all of us is that when we get this epiphany in life, when we get these aha moments, they're life-changing. And let me tell you one thing, they don't feel good. Because if you want to base your epiphanies on feelings, just follow your heart. But if you want to base it what God is putting on your heart and what he's called you to do, it will challenge you to let go of things that you do not want to let go because you have a right to hold on to them. So I encourage you, this year will be the year that I believe Christians need to step up and humble themselves and seek Christ, and he will heal the land. We are followers of Jesus. We're not followers of Donald Trump. We're not followers of Nancy Pelosi. We're not followers of whoever you're thinking of. We're followers of Christ. That's it. That's it. And how we follow is through the spirit of humility. And he gives us the power and anointing to change the world. May God bless you. May God bless his word.